tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. Ooh, it's been a while. We've we've been on uh, some backlog, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, that's a good word for it. (laughs) (laughs) Missed a few because of scheduling problems, equipment problems, just problems in general. So uh, we're here, and this week we are talking... We're we're talking Venom, because it's the 30th anniversary of Venom in, in March of 2018. So... So yeah, so not only is it St. Patrick's <laughs> month, but it's also Venom's month. There you go. Especially for him turning 30. It's crazy because I'll be honest, um, I always associated him with the 90s, as a 90s character, so I didn't even think he hit 30. But it's funny because we were just talking dates before we started, and it was like, wow, he's kind of he's a weird character. He feels older than he is, but then he's not as old as I thought he was, if that makes sense. No, that, that, that makes complete sense. I, I, same thing. I, was, I thought he was much older than what it sounds like he actually is, so... Uh, I was surprised by that as well. Um, but yes, we're talking uh, Venom, not necessarily Eddie Brock, which, you know, there's the mo- movie that's going to be coming out here pretty soon um, with Tom Hardy playing Eddie Brock. Uh, it's been said that the story is going to be following the Lethal Protector storyline, which uh, I don't know exactly where that story came out, uh, when that story came out, I'm sorry, but uh, it's going to be released or it just got released in trade paperback, I believe in January. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, okay. Actually, this might be, there's, I guess there's a couple of ways the lethal protector looks like. Cause the one where you're talking about right there, the lethal protector, um, that story is more the recent, uh, return of venom slash Eddie oh, okay. Brock. And who was, the, there was another guy who recently just had the symbiote. I think he was, are you talking about, uh, Matt Gargan? No, and I forgot about Matt Gargan. That's right. A scorpion was a Venom as well. Right. No, he was the guy who had it for like one or two issues of the newer series that they just put out there. I can't think of his name. No, I, I mean, uh, I, I know of uh, Flash Thompson. <laughs> Flash is another Venom as well. <laughs> um, let me Let's see. see uh, on the Wikipedia page, it says other people that have been Venom, Peter Parker, Eddie Brock, Anne Winning. Patricia Robertson, Angelo Fortuna, or For- Fortunato, sorry, Matt Gargan, Flash Thompson, Lee Price. Lee Price, is there that, we go. Is that who yes. you're looking for? Okay. I don't I don't know anything of Lee Price. Yeah, he was kind of, I guess the way he's kind of looked at is he's a very sadistic fellow, and somehow he just ended up with the Venom symbiote, much to his advantage. And, um... Like, I, I recently learned about him and the crossover that they had with the Amazing Spider-Man book, uh, Venom Incorporated, which was kind of interesting because Incorporated, it, it's, it's got that businessy tone to it. I know they did that a couple years or probably a decade ago with uh, Superman Incorporated. And they um, did Batman Incorporated, too. That's right. Then that was just recently. Yeah. So definitely it plays with the idea of more than one person kind of sharing the traits. And with the Venom Incorporated, Lee Price is basically like, all right, I'm going to get my share of the Venom symbiote. There was the female Venom. And then, like, as he was kind of, like, 
going after the mafia underworld of New York City Marvel. Mm. Like he was venomizing them as well. Wow. We even got to see Black Cat be a little bit of a venom person as well. That's interesting. All right. Uh, well, we will get more into that when we get to our challenge at the end of the at the second half of the show. Let's go ahead and head over to the spinner rack just to see what's out this week. All right, so let's see. Some of the big stuff coming out. Batman 43. Um, this series has been great. This continues on the uh, love affair and leading up to the nuptials of Batman and Catwoman. And in this, I believe it is part two, or actually part three, of them dealing with Poison Ivy. Uh, obviously, she's going to be the maid of honor, which is interesting because she's very much showing that she knows the secret identity of Bruce Wayne as Batman. So we'll see more of that continuing on. So I read the first issue of that story arc uh, recently, uh, this past week, and I find it interesting that they're kind of doing the same. It's kind of uh, coinciding with what's going on in Gotham because the Poison Ivy there is getting a very big character push. She's kind of taking over a lot, you know, coming into her powers and stuff like that, very much uh, killing people with plants. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I, I in the first issue that I read of, of this story arc in Batman, you know, she's turned pretty much the whole city into, well, one, into a forest or a jungle or whatever, and then uh, everybody's under her control as opposed to, uh, you know, just like one or two people usually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she got a massive power upgrade. Like, before it used to be, like, she had to use her darts and stuff like that. Right. Because, like, I would say, honestly, it felt like, for me, it was Batman and Robin. That movie was the first time where we really saw that she had the powers. Mm-hmm. You know, before that, I always felt she was more just like a chemist who was like, oh, kind of like, maybe kind of like how Scarecrow was. Right, you know? exactly. Was like, I would yeah. do these things. So, yeah. But, yeah, in this crossover, she actually possesses Superman and Flash, the Justice League, basically everyone on Earth. It's just down to oh, two Oh, that's right, people. yeah. It was everyone yeah. on Earth, because Bruce wakes up in the middle of the night, and he's like, wait, and goes runs down, gives himself the antitoxin or whatever it is, yep. and and uh, and stops it, and then he also stops, or uh, he gets he gets Catwoman, too, at the same time. Yeah. But you, I can only imagine that, you know, it's like, you're the only two that are not under the control. It's like, ah, that's got to suck. Yeah. Well, and it's just so funny, because they're basically kind of, at first, it's like, well, let's do our thing, and like, Superman's up there watching and stuff like that, so... Uh, it's interesting. Tom King's done some amazing stuff, so uh, definitely continue on with the Batman book. This is a neat one, and I would definitely push it on to you. I would say you'd like this one. It's called Batman Sins of the Father. Um, basically, it's a really good Batman uh, Deadshot parallel book. Oh, wow. So it's kind of dealing... like I mean, it's, it's very much from the video game realms of the Batman stories, but it's just like the art looks amazing. Um, I missed issue one. I might have to go back and try to find it and check this one out. It's going to be a, a six-issue miniseries, and we're getting issue two this Wednesday. But it just looks really beautiful, and like I said, it's going to definitely parallel between fathers and, and sons and probably fathers and daughters in the case of Deadshot. But it's kind of neat to see here's a kid who lost his parents and fights for justice, and then here's a father who's potentially losing his kid in his quest for injustice. You know, so it definitely looks really good. Right. The art alone, like I said, is definitely fantastic. Um, then we've got another big one in Nightwing. The The book is definitely, I feel like it's starting to come together under the new writer. I think he's kind of finding his feet. So we'll be having issue 41 this Wednesday. Uh, Super Sons 14. Again, that book's actually getting canceled. It very did get soon. Can- yeah. So these are kind of like the last few issues. But Pete Tomasi's kind of like 
you know, don't don't be fearful. There's something coming. So who knows? Who knows what we may be seeing? And then, of course, Superman 43. Um, Superman books are definitely going to be hot to watch. I mean, we have Action Comics 999. That means the next issue of Action Comics is 1,000. That's that's crazy. <laughs> um, but anyways, going back. So the, the Superman books, uh, Tomasi, once again, uh, he's been writing the Super Sons. So over here, he's doing Boyzaro. So this is where we have part two of meeting Boyzaro in the Bizarro version of the Superman family. Right. So I don't know. I, I enjoy Bizarro, but they always give me a headache whenever I read those because <laughs> sometimes the double negatives and the, I don't know. It's too much. But, you know, if you want some fun, definitely go pick those up. Uh, on the Marvel Comics side of things, we have Avengers issue 685, which continues on the No Surrender arc. I'm going to be honest with you, and well, I guess I'll save this for a second, so I'll just keep giving you some of the issues coming out. Um, we have the Avengers Omnibus Volume 3. Those are really neat, and like they're just these beautiful cover collections. So we actually have an Alan Davis cover come on it. So if you're wanting to go back and read some of the classic Avengers, this one's definitely neat because this is when Roy Thomas took over the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of gives us... And it's one of those big Marvel stories that I should read, but I haven't. The Kree Skull War. Uh, so yes. that's one of those ones like, I should read it and I want to, but I know it's going to be heavily dated in its era. So I kind of put it off. Um, Doctor Strange Damnation Issue 3 is going to be out. I've been enjoying this crossover. I almost kind of feel, though, like it's maybe like, hey, Metal's kicking some ass. Let's <laughs> let's do some crazy stuff as well. So this might be like a miniature answer to Metal in its own regard. But I it's can kind of see that, yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. Like, I, I love it. I think it was Issue 1 of Damnation, or probably Issue 2, when Scarlet Spider just shows up in the dump truck with all these guns on him. And, and that I must just, have been Part 2, because, yeah, yeah, I only read Part 1 so far. Yeah, and I just I thought it was great. So I've been enjoying that um it's done something it's gotten me to buy a bunch of books that i don't normally buy so i'm I'm very excited for this one this is definitely a fun crossover um we also have mighty thor issue 705 and this is going to be continuing on with the death of thor um you know i i don't know maybe it's just me but it hasn't been clicking too much for me. Like, I've been reading it, but it's not something that I'm like, oh, this is huge. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not invested in Jane Foster. I mean, she's been a great character, but even Thor himself hasn't been a major character in my reads. But, you know, if you're out there and you're, you're reading it through, definitely pick it up. Um, Tales of Suspense, number 103. It's the buddy cop book you didn't know you needed with <laughs> Hawkeye and Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier. So that's been really fun. Uh, so we're on part four. Four, three, four. I can't remember because I think they did it as issue one hundred, so I think that counts as part one. Oh, so it's weird because then even then it started as a six parter, now it's a five parter. But anyways, this is part one hundred and three of five. Okay. That's as confusing <laughs> as it is for you. Um, then we'll also have Thanos issue seventeen. I am so pissed at myself. I missed this Thanos book because when they did the whole Marvel Legacy relaunch. They basically sent Thanos into the far future. This is where we meet this crazy space ghost rider who's also Frank Castle. Right. And it deals with the Time Stone. And I'm just like... And this is the one that if you see just about everybody, like any nerd uh, website that has a Facebook uh, page is basically going crazy about the fact that future Thanos has the Hulk as a dog. Yeah. Essentially. Like, he has him as his lap dog right next to him. So, like, because, like, every article, every time the article is like, 
the Hulk is a dog. It's like, okay, there's probably a little bit more explanation to that if you read the story. You guys are breaking it down really fucking lame. Yeah, well, I like, I've been noticing you use this hashtag, do you comic book, I think, is that correct? Do you even comic book? Do you even comic book? And I feel that every time I see some of these comic book websites. Because it's like, ooh, there's a panel, let's talk about it. And it's like, yeah, but are you reading the whole story? Right. another website did that too. They were like, Doctor Strange just became a ghost writer. And it's like, so obviously you're not reading Damnation. Because in part one, we see Falcon, Thor, and the rest of the Avengers become ghost writers as well. So it's kind of like, oh, cool. You're just worried about Doctor Strange? Yeah, there's at least like six of them out there. Come on, buddy. Lift a page every now and then. Um, but yeah, Thanos, if you can get those back issues for like a good price, do yourself a favor. I'll probably wind up just getting the trade myself. Uh, and since we're talking about Venom, we're also going to get some uh, origin books or the True Believers dollar series. So they'll have True Believers Dark Origin number one. Um, let's see. If I remember correctly, that one will be talking. Well, I'm not remembering. I'm looking it up. So this one will actually be a reprint of Venom Dark Origin number three. Uh, they did this book, like, I think it was around the early 2000s where they started doing, like, origin series of certain characters. So they did talk about this one for Venom, but I wouldn't rush to go buy the series itself because I'm sure a lot of it's going to change and or doesn't exist anymore because, <laughs> like, even Bendis came on and, like, he introduced the whole, the new era of the symbiotes, and it's crazy. Like, they're... They're way the, the aliens themselves are way different than they were always portrayed. Mm-hmm. You know, they're almost peaceful like, and even then they almost didn't even seem to have their symbiotic relationship, which I found interesting. Uh, we have Weapon H number one, another crossover that happened that just kind of took flavor. Um, I think Marvel has a lot of success with their mashing up of characters. So this is the Wolverine Hulk baby brainchild thing so he's getting his own issue one so if you missed out on the crossover get the trade and try issue one see if you like and i did i did get the crossover and and uh i i think i i have the issue one coming to me but uh i think i also saw somewhere that there there's another mashup that's about to start happening too is oh it's the red hulk the red hulk is also going to be getting himself a, a iron man suit to wear so it's Hulk and Iron Man put together. Yeah, I think that that spins out of uh, it must be the no Avengers surrender. No Surrender. Yeah. Because, yeah, like I, I forget who the current new Red Hulk it's is. Some, some general guy that's not uh, Thunderbolt. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I think I've seen the design of it and it looks pretty cool. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, oh, you put armor on Superman. Why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's neat for a panel or oh, two. You, you, you gave the Incredible Hulk unbreakable bone claws and adamantium skeleton. Why? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's already the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, hey, each to their own. These are definitely going to be great Marvel Legend action figures when they come out, I'm sure. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's out in your spinner racks. Uh, a couple of neat things to check out. So Next thing is going to be is um, the Hulk gets the power cosmic. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hulk on a surfboard. There you oh, go. Oh, geez. And maybe a jet ski. He is kind of hefty. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, so that that's what's new on the spin rack this week. Um, let's talk about what you've been reading. So I've been all over the place with some of my comic book reading. Um, I finally got caught up on some of my back issues. Uh, Batman has been great. I, I, I can't say enough about that storyline. Uh, Mr. Miracle number seven was on my reading list, and we have the birth of Scott and Barda's child. Yeah, I, I feel this series is going to take a real dark turn because if you look at the variant cover... 
it shows Mr. Miracle on his knees with a sword coming down, mm. and there's like a little stuffed Batman toy. Mm. So symbolism. So I, I feel like this baby is gonna be a bad thing Um, so that's gonna be crazy but obviously I I love Mr. Miracle so I've been enjoying that book Um, I tried something new some new comics so I went and bought the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Volume 1 trade Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying that series I guess just the idea of this upcoming Shattered Grid storyline where it's basically like every Power Ranger ever is going to be in a crossover. Right. And we have this evil Lord Draken who looks like a White Ranger that's screwed up. So he's evil Tommy. Uh, spoilers for a book that's two years old. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, like it's just it's fun. Like it's taking me back to an era like I just I loved, you know, Voltron and Megazord. I thought Zords were great, you know, giant robotic beasts coming together to make us greater than ourselves so there's a lot of neat stuff in there so uh that's been on my read list and actually one that i've been revisiting that i'm almost done with messiah complex Ooh, i didn't realize how much action was in that storyline like yeah, good yeah, lord I remember that man that thing was all over the place and i i felt bad for layla miller you know, and I, I, I remember that part where she got taken and they shaved her head and they put the M tattoo. It was kind of mm-hmm. like, damn, dude, <laughs> guys are jerks. <laughs> um, we uh, Speaking of uh, Mr. Miracle, though, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda, uh, we had some recent uh, movie news. Uh, Ava du- Duvernay, Duvernay is uh, now signed on over at Warner Brothers to direct a New Gods movie. Uh I would assume she is actually a huge fan of Big Barda, so I would assume the movie's going to have a lot to do with Big Barda. And if it's a lot to do with Big Barda, I got to imagine it's a lot to do with uh, Mr. Miracle. You know, honestly, it's one of those things where, like, so I know we've talked about this several times. Like with the New Gods, they're not that interesting. <laughs> they're not. I mean, not not to be mean, but they're not. I mean, like if. Like, to me, I've always seen them, like, it's funny, because I know we, we talked about this as well. You know, like, okay, you wanted to do DC's versions of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, well, that's totally the Suicide Squad. No, no, it's not. No. Because, first off, the Guardians of the Galaxy weren't even thieves. You know, they were just a group of heroes that basically found themselves on the wrong side of the political line. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, okay, let's team up and save the galaxy. Right. That could have totally been the Guardians, or not the Guardians, but the New Gods. Because, okay, Barda comes from Apocalypse. Uh, Mr. Miracle comes from New Genesis, but was raised on Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Orion comes from Apocalypse, but was raised on New Genesis. And you find two other ones that are interesting, which would be tough. You could maybe take Forager and play with the idea of, like, yeah, the new gods on New Genesis live in this floating island, and then you have the peons down below. But what would be the storyline that's going to make it interesting? Honestly, there's only two beats. How Darkseid and Highfather came to hate each other. And then the, the, the raising of Mr. Miracle. Because even then, like, Barda, she wasn't in, like, when um, Jack Kirby did his New Gods stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Mr. Miracle and Barda were off in the uh, the Mr. Miracle book. They weren't even in the New Gods stuff. So, like, yeah, maybe two issues of New Gods would be part of that movie. And then the rest of it would just be the story of Mr. Miracle and, you know, probably an invasion of Earth. So I would definitely kind of frame it like they did with the Justice League cartoon, you know, so show the origins of Darkseid. Nobody would really worry too much about High Father. <laughs> then the trade and right. then, you know, lead to it that way. I, I, yeah, I, mean, I have to assume that a lot of the movie is going to either take place or revolve around the story of Darkseid and Apocalypse because that's just the more interesting part of the story. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not that New Genesis isn't interesting, but 
at this point, I don't know exactly what you would do with it. I mean, what what are you going to do with it and not be retreading Thor? And I'm talking about like the first two Thor movies that are not interesting. Very <laughs> to, good point. You know, Thor Ragnarok is uh, is the better of the three movies, and it, trust me, Ava is a phenomenal director, but she's I don't think she's really known for her comedy like Taika Waititi is. So yeah. Uh, it, I don't know. Maybe you do the love story between um, Mr. Miracle and Barda and how, you know, he's had to had to exist in this harsh environment to but found stuff that is, you know, makes him the man that he is. Or you just go out all out and you do this big war between New Genesis and Apocalypse and you just you find the little nuggets of love and life in between. You know that that's the only two things that I could see the, the movie being about. Yeah, honestly, like that's the, the the best bet would be the conflict would have to be an invasion of New Genesis, and then maybe that's where you know you have Scott Free and Big Barda have to leave Earth to come back to save New Genesis and fight friends and family from both sides. Right. Yeah. You know because I mean honestly like. Orion is one of the bigger characters from the New Gods, and even he isn't that interesting. No, yeah, you know? I mean he's, I mean he, he's the other son. He's the other, he's the opposite of Mister Miracle that got traded. So, yep, uh, it it is going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with that movie. I just think it's incredible that they got Ava DuVernay to come and direct the movie. Yeah, talk about a great score and the fact that you know it's kind of cool to hear her be like, "Yeah, I'm a friend. I'm a fan of Big Barda." It's like, wow, that's totally cool, right? You know. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wish her the best of luck because that's a tough challenge. Any comic book writer has had a tough challenge writing The New Gods. Like, the only reason it ever did successful was Walt Simonson, and even then he followed in Jack Kirby's footsteps. He wrote Thor, did some amazing, crazy stuff, then went over to DC and then did New Gods. And it's <laughs> like, oh, he's just kind of, you know, following in the footsteps of the king. Yeah. You know, nothing wrong with that, but yeah. that's definitely how he made his, his career on that business. Uh, so what I've been reading, I... Like I like normal, I am always a couple months behind, but uh, I finally got to the death of Clayface um, in the Detective Comics, and it was at the hand of Batwoman. So, is this the thing that future Tim Drake was uh, telling us about? You know, the thing that that's going to be setting it over, and it was interesting to see how the quote unquote Gotham Knights fell uh, on the two two different sides of the of the subject so I mean, civil war huh <laughs> essentially i mean you have you have batman and you have all of his core bat family i guess is the best way to put it i mean nightwing and, and batgirl weren't there at the actual thing right but you have uh cassandra and tim and um uh, who who else was on their side gene paul or well gene paul and, and and luke were on Batwoman's side, they're she's they're like he, she, Clayface was about to you know erupt and kill just, you know, hundreds of people. What was she supposed to do? Okay, gotcha. and then you have uh, you know Tim and Cat. Well, Cassie's obviously really broken up about it because she was in love with uh, Clayface or uh, what's his name, ba- Basil? Basil, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I guess they didn't really come out and say that she was in love with him, but I think it's, you can it, definitely see. Yeah, it. you can tell. It, and, she saw a piece of herself in there, you know, person that's trapped and can't express themselves the way that they want to and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, she's she's all broken up about it and she's uh, in the next issue, Batman calls a meeting 
of the Bat family. Now, everybody else gets left out. So you have Batgirl, uh, Tim, Dick, and then even Jason gets wow. called. Yeah, he gets called there. And um, the, basically, it's, it's Batman saying, I want your guys' input on whether when what do I do next about dealing with Batwoman. That's crazy because Batman has never been like, you know, he's always been, I don't care. <laughs> you know, right, like, no. And I'm going to make my decision. I it's still decision. feel like that's what it is, but he, he kind of just wants to throw his input in there. And then Batgirl has a really great part at the end of the book, which makes me think about something because – she comes okay so she, everybody else goes and talks like dick is like uh no what she did was wrong we we always find another way it's not it's that's not what it is you know it's right. not it's we don't kill uh then tim goes and tim's like uh you know my idea is great the gotham knights is a great you know program i can get this to work it's all because batman you know i i was or I wanted to be a part of the group before I was even Robin. Like, and I think it's still up. I wonder. I wonder if it's still up in the air if he was ever Robin. Like, I know he's Red Robin, but I don't know if he's yeah, ever. Was Robin. Was he officially Robin? Right. How does that count? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, but this is the, the. I have all these ideas, and I've been writing them down ever since before I even became part of the the family. Like, and I think the, these are the best things to do. And Batman finally came to me and said, "Hey, w- what is it that you would want to do?" Kind of thing, right? <laughs> So, uh, then Jason talks, and Jason's like, "I know what you guys are gonna, th- you guys think. You think I'm gonna say she should, she should be let off? Like it should, or uh, you don't? She did the right thing, or whatever. And you're right. I do think she did the right thing, but it's not for what you think. And like he's like explaining it in a different way. He's like, you know, you, you guys are going around, and you have absolutely no say in what she does. You, it, Batman, if even if you tell her anything, she's not gonna do it. She's gonna do whatever she wants to do." Just like me, I kind of just do my own thing, anyways. <laughs> um, and then finally, they uh, Bruce like turns to Babs and says, "You you're very quiet." And she's like, "Yeah." And I think it's because of, and and she goes into this whole speech about how uh, look, it's it's I've put two and two together, this this and this. You never expected Tim's program to work. <laughs> You actually had it so that um, you 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 did this so that he would fail, like essentially just straight up fail. And uh, now you're you're leaving you're leaving it out there for him to clean up this mess, or you you know this mess happened and it's your fault. So uh, to me, they've I don't want to say they've taken it away, but they have gone into making Tim into this big old strategist of part of Batman and they've given the detective part of Batman to Batgirl now like Batgirl is the huge detective the follow-up detective and and Tim is the strategy guy you know the the one that will eventually take over the Justice League you know as the the this is where you need to go this is the best route for that person as opposed to Tim always using to be the 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 great detective follow-up you know yeah, what I mean? that's crazy because I mean I know I, who knows what books count or whatnot but when they did uh, the Red Robin book, and one of his big adversaries in that was Rachel Ghoul. Mm-hmm. And Rachel Ghoul was like, Good job, detective. Yeah. And it was like, Whoa! <laughs> you know, he doesn't just call anybody that. No, no, know? yeah, so that's, no. That's kind of a, an interesting change on Dick's 
role in or the Tim's Bat book. family. Or sorry, Tim's, Tim's role. role yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's what they they they've kind of you know because they've always spart. I think they've I feel like they've always spared it out, spared it out. I don't know the right word there, but uh, the different aspects of Batman. So you know, Jason Todd is Batman's rage. Like he's straight up like. Angry. Oh yeah, he's just anger. <laughs> Tim or Dick is is Batman's like wanting to do good, you know. Yeah. That's what Batman would have been if he had more hope in his life, right? Uh, and then you know Tim was the detective, and I don't know exactly where you would put Babs. Babs was the the theatrical of Batman, maybe. I, well, I would feel that still kind of falls under Tim with the acro. Or sorry, with Dick under the acrobatic. Oh yeah, side. you're right. Yeah, you know Barbara's the. Barbara's an interesting one in that, too, because even, like, with Tim and Barbara, they're both definitely information people. Right. You know, they're definitely yeah, she was Oracle. She was Oracle. Yeah. So they've always been about that. Um, and they both had family. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were the ones that, like, they weren't possessed by the whole, the you know, the bat demon, you know, that drive because they lost someone, you know, because Barbara's mom and dad are both alive. And Tim, I mean, eventually, because of the bat family he lost it but he still kept that that hope alive um barbara's a tough one like what's her role in that because well i just i just think that now that they're they're giving her the detective work like making her the the great detective of the group which makes sense i mean she studied under batman and her father that's true both great detectives in their own right and And they usually show like at least in the batman beyond stuff she becomes commissioner commissioner, you know yeah so uh I just thought that was a it was an interesting look look at it. So, well, I mean, we'll have to see how that plays out, whether or not that goes. Now, I looking into the future, they just announced the was it in Detective Comics? They're gonna or I don't know if they just announced it or if it just came out, but the uh, Jefferson Pierce uh, or I'm sorry, Black Lightning Batman team up in Detective Comics down the line yeah. from where I'm at, and that to me says they're gonna be bringing the Outsiders back. Like, that's going to be a thing. How is that going to work with Metamorpho, since he's already on the Terrifics? I don't know. But um, I feel like that is Batman's version of Gotham Knights. Like, in this Ooh, world, like in, this, in this rebirth world where maybe the Outsiders never happened yet, this is him taking Tim's idea and being like, well, I can do it over here like this instead. And and use these characters, use these guys to to be my uh, ad not adversaries but uh, acolytes. That's interesting. I like that. And you know what else is kind of funny? Here's a, a strange link between Jefferson, Tim, and Barbara. They've all been in politics as well. Explain. Yeah, they've, they've been so Barbara. When she was first created, she was the librarian, right. and then eventually she got on with like. Oh, like I think she was like um, the the campaign manager for like a senator or a representative of oh. Gotham, so she's had that experience to it. Jefferson Pierce obviously was picked up. I think it was Luther's secretary of education. Yes, so he's always had that role to it. And Tim, now this is a stretch, but in the future they've always played him off that. That's what happens. That's why he leaves the Bat family to be a part of politics. Oh. I want to say I think it was like Batman Annual Twenty. So instead, he was able to use his ideas to maybe shape the world as a civilian as opposed to being a Robin or a Batman. Yeah, exactly. So they've all they've all been kind of that different type of thinker. You know, they're they're not necessarily 
you know, secured and like hiding behind the mask. And not to say that, you know, Batman hides behind it, but you know, they're, they're people as opposed to Batman not being a person. You right. Know? Like if that makes right. sense. No, no, that does make sense. Um, so I find that really interesting. I, and I, I, you know what I like about this? And this is a great thing. I'm glad that DC is doing like, okay. They understand that black lightning is successful. You know, like, well, not not necessarily successful, but there's building a fan base. And I like this because, all right, so the writer of the current detective book is leaving, and then we're getting a new writer, and he's the one who's kind of bringing in um, Black Lightning and, you know, this storyline. And I think we both rushed to that where it's like, yeah, this could definitely be something with the Outsiders, mm-hmm. which was a great group of heroes in their own. But like you pointed out, Metamorpho is somewhere else in the Terrifics. How do we play this? Do they use the female metamorpho? You know, things like that. Who With knows? Element lady? Yeah, something like that. Element woman, I think. Yeah. I don't know. But, so it'll be interesting to see. But I think this is great because instead of putting out a Black Lightning book that may or may not be successful, that's right. Put it in a book that already is successful. You know, because the Black Lightning fans, they'll follow. Mm-hmm. They'll go to Detective. Oh, yeah. And the Detective fans, they're still getting their book and they're trying something else out. And then if it, if those issues are successful, then you can Yeah, then you spin, spin off and you, you do something. And yeah. I, I think finally, like, they're learning. It's like, hey, we've got a foundation. Let's use our foundation correctly. And that's what I'm really excited about. Like, it's, you know, because I'll admit I haven't been reading Detective um, I wish I had because since Rebirth, this book has been hot. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually it's been very worthwhile. Um, it's a great time to be a Batman fan yeah. between Detective and, and Batman. Batman. Yeah, you know, they've both been amazing. Um, because even New Fifty Two Detective, there was nothing really much to scream about. Like, oh, this was a great story. It was just kind of like, Interesting. oh, they're putting this book out to keep it out <laughs> to know? keep that numbering going. Yeah, and so it was very nice to see with Rebirth, like it's been refreshing. A Lonely Place of Living is, you know, one of my favorite Rebirth stories. Um, so it's it's definitely adding to the mythos of DC Comics, you know. So I'm very excited to see what this new writer is going to do. He's got some big shoes to fill, and I hope he does well because Black Lightning's been a great character. Uh, he's had some good moments to shine. It's just, unfortunately, and this is where a lot of people, again, you know, do even comic book. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are like, well, they're canceling all these books. And it's like, well, yeah, but that happens to a lot of characters. It's all not based off of just being a minority, but it's in, in, in the world of comics, we have supporting characters. And it's like, you know, Power Man won't sell. Um, Iron Fist won't sell, but when you put them together as Heroes for Hire, that will sell. Because now you get those two fan bases together, and that promotes the numbers. Like That's the part of the equation that a lot of people forget when it comes to comic books. We can write stories out the wazoo, we can draw them, but to sell them, that's the hard part. You know, and again, this goes back to anthology books. You know, those would be neat. You know, Marvel Comics Presents, uh, DC's The Brave and the Bold, you know, things like that. They should bring those books back, and that's where they could definitely try out new talent, new artists, and characters mm-hmm. that, hey, you know what, there's some heat going on with them. Let's see if they catch on fire and go further. You know, so I'm excited that DC's like, hey, you know what, let's do that. And that was one of the initiatives I remember Dan Didio talking about where it's like, I think it was a book they called Streets of Gotham or it was something, but it was a real good like police detective work book and they did it as its own spinoff mm. and it just didn't take, but people love that story. They swore up and down and even Didio was like, yeah, it would have been smarter to just put that in the detective book. It would have sold way better. It would have gotten a better fan Probably, base yeah. and it could have pushed forward instead of it being another miniseries. Cause I'll admit I I'm fearful of miniseries. Like, thanks to Tom King, I can finally appreciate annuals again. But for the longest time, I'd be like, ah, the annual. I don't know if I'll waste my money on that crap, you know. 
Um, so I'm, I, I hope this initiative works because Black Lightning has been a very cool character. And, you know, that gives me hope because now it's like, okay, maybe we can rescue Katana from the Suicide Squad madness. You know, bring her back into the fold with the Outsiders. And, yeah, I didn't and think build about that. That's where that. Katana's at. She's over at the, at the, yeah, the Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad yeah. Part of the loony bin over there. And it's, it's such a shame because she's such a great character. And yeah. There she's kind of. You know, like, hey, we'll play her off as the the mute mystic samurai, and it's like, no, no, let her be hopeful. Let her let her fight for the cause of her family and her fallen husband. That was so much better than what she's become. <laughs> and I think, the, I, the, honestly, the only other person that's part of the Outsiders that I can remember is Geoforce. Yeah, he was another character that was a fun one. So, uh, I mean, I, I know the 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 roster itself is very. Um, Fluid, <laughs> fluid, fluid, or you know, rotating, rotating. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, oh, the other one is the is the the girl that has like a spectrum. Isn't that? Oh her yeah, name? yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the, she's kind of. Oh gosh, yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, so I think those, those are the other the other characters that are on there, but they're on the original team. I want to say, but uh, the other book I read, or other books I've been reading. Uh, I read an what two issues of well not two issues well okay i read more metal nice uh i read the rising hunt i believe is what it was called was it? oh the spinoff the grant morrison one right 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 something like that yeah something so, yeah. That, yeah yeah uh and then the other one it was i think uh issue five i want to say um the one where they kind of had to it was right after they revealed uh carter hall as hawkman but but all huge and guarding yeah, the, the pool or whatever brutal hawk-esque thing <laughs> and then uh red death like they were able to convert him back to barry and then the 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 batman who smiles or the batman who laughs uh was like you're the only only uh batman i didn't trust so i didn't tell you the whole plan and i'm, I'm willing to sacrifice you it's like that's the okay. I don't. I, I still don't like this series. I I, I know it's, it's everybody's getting raves about it and stuff, and and it's and it's going crazy. I just am not a fan. But one thing I am a fan of is every time the heroes, quote unquote heroes, think they have one, they're they're up. They're like, oh, we did it. We we got it. We got it going. You have the the bad side, the the dark Batman. They're like, nah. We we anticipated that we we want you to do that and this yeah, that, we needed that to happen exactly. so thank you <laughs> which only then but then that just makes me think ahead and be like well when they when the heroes finally win because they have to win because this is a comic book and you know that it's just the way it is I'm gonna be pissed because it's like you had these villains that were one step maybe even three steps ahead of them the whole time and now. You're going to sit there and tell me, no, they, they, they outsmarted them. So, Well, but here's a thought. Here's what I've been thinking. And this, like, I, I, I want to reveal it, but I'm scared because I think this could be a cool twist. But so they're obviously dark reflections. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, obviously as you pull back from your reflection, so does your reflection. As you go forward, so does your reflection, right? That'll right. move that way. Uh-huh. So it's one of those things where it's like, well, okay, every time the heroes do something good, the bad guys have like, well, we've outperformed you in that regard. So are the good guys going to have to do something bad? Oh, that's that's you pretty know? good. So yeah. maybe this will be like a story so, like tempts Batman to be like... To break gotta, his one rule? Yeah, he might have to do something crazy. So who could Batman potentially but kill? See, so if you if you have to sit there, if, if Batman ends up having to quote-unquote kill the Batman who, who laughs, right? Right. Let's say that one. Is it really killing if... 
that that version of him isn't real. Like the whole dark universe itself, as they start stated in the beginning of the, of the the story, is not real. It's kind of more smoke yeah. than anything else. So, though it is conscious, it it's not alive. I guess is the best way to put it. Right. So. I, I wonder if that's the way he would kind of... Uh, like that's his backdoor out yes, saying, like, exactly. I technically killed, but I didn't kill technically. Right. Yeah. Well, and to me, even then, like, it might be one of those things where it's like, so Batman goes for the kill, but obviously the Batman who laughs is one step ahead. He does save. Oh, wow. Because you kind of see how that yeah, twists. Yeah. I don't know if that's making... If I'm saying no, it right, no, but... No, yeah. So maybe that's how it'll also be another twist out, you know? Because you're right. They did establish, like, no, this isn't Earth-53. This isn't, you know, in its own regard that way, you know? So it's the underside of the map that, you know, like you said, I like that, that smoke analogy to right, it. Right, yeah. So, yeah, maybe Batman does go to the point of killing, and it's like, oh, shit, this is the true Batman, you know? <laughs> and, and even then, yeah, when you... Because... I mean, Batman did kill. He killed Darkseid during Final Crisis. Oh, that's and true. That was okay. It wasn't like it was a bad thing because it's Darkseid, the mother of all, or the father of all evil. So maybe if he does kill Barbados, is that okay as well? So yeah, I mean, there's still enough time for that one major twist. Um, it's got a couple of ways it could go. <laughs> But you're right. Sometimes it is one of those things where it's like, okay, they've built these bad guys up too good yeah. that when they do ultimately lose, this better be – I mean, it's a hell of a gamble. It's a very hell of a gamble. And so, it's, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, and that's uh, – I mean, I've read a few other things. Um, action comics right now, uh, I, I, I know I'm not up to 999 yet. But and that's the one that just came out last week, which apparently nobody saved when a car crashed or something. You posted something about that. I didn't oh, get to yeah. watch the video, but I go ahead. Tell me about this. So, what okay, so this video, there's this guy in I want to say it was Portland. Um, it was a comic book store, and it's a security video of inside this comic book store. And this guy is carrying a stack of comics. He's more, he's more than likely just a, an employee that you know he has a stack that he's trying to put, put on the shelf, put on the shelf yeah. or something like that. And a car just drives right through the the whole store. <laughs> oh my god! And, and you know it's probably it's. I think the article says something about the guy went to uh, put put the brake, but hit the accelerator instead, oh. like so many people do. But the guy holding his books like just watches it and as it comes like within inches from him and does not drop any of the books. So my joke headline was, because oh, okay. it came out, was that the guy driving the car did not like issue 999 of, <laughs> of Action Comics. Someone else was someone else said, uh, I think someone else said something about not not liking the fact that Doomsday Clock didn't come out or, uh, you know, that's off off schedule. What well, that's what happens you? when you don't pull your comics correctly. Yeah, exactly. So. I have to buy these Thanos issues now? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that that was my joke, and I I thought it was, I mean it's it's an incredible video to watch just to see someone. I mean the guy usually when you see those videos and it's usually at convenience stores, right? Uh, as soon as they go through the first wall, they stop. This guy does not stop. Jesus, like, he keeps driving, and it's like oh my goodness. Okay, uh, so yeah, it was it was a it was a funny little video and luckily no one got hurt so nice all right i'll have to watch because i saw the post and <clears throat> i didn't get to read the full thing about it and i was curious but something i want to chime in if you don't mind if we got a couple minutes so i was laughing because like you're mentioning keeping up with uh action and super or at least action so i'm going to toss superman in there i've found it's hard for me to give a damn about those books right now no i'm the same just because like okay so dan jurgens no no i love dan jurgens i mean he's one of my favorite writers and artists 
of Superman. But now that I know when issue 1000 comes, it's not built off of his story. It's no. built off of Bendis well, laying Bendis the ground. Yeah. You know, so like there'll be a couple pages in there by Dan. Dan will write a nice little, you know, jam Out. piece type story, I'm sure. Same thing for Pete Tomasi, and that's why I found it hard to even read the Superman books of late because they'll get ended in a special. Mhm. So it's like, oh, so what would have been Action 1000 or whatever got tossed. You know, it's like, hey, we just got Bendis. Where does Bendis want to go? Superman, okay, here we go. And, like, I'm sure there's a lot of behind the scenes, and I hope it worked out graciously for everybody involved because I love all those creators. They're some of my favorites. They've given me some of the best stories of my comic reading. But it made it hard to read that stuff. And that's also kind of the same thing that I was going to chime in about with Marvel. You know, like, I was excited about No no Surrender. Like, I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. I'll commit to buying an Avengers book weekly. All right, this is going to be great. And then it's like, oh, Marvel, fresh start, Avengers number one. And I was like, whatever. (laughs) You know, so it sucks because it's like, I'll buy those issues to add to my collection. But it's like, yeah, No Surrender won't even take us to 700. And then you're going to start back at one. So it's like that that's a real disservice that they do to fans. So it's kind of one of those things where I wish – and, I mean, I get it. You know, names sell books. You know, Jason Aaron is definitely going to outsell whoever is writing No Surrender right now. Right. You know, and, and even then, even if you're looking at No Surrender, maybe it's a collection of writers. Well, that's not going to stay because they can't afford to pay, you know, four guys to write one book essentially. So it's one of those things where it's like, I get that they want to get the new talent, they want to put them on the neat books and make them big again, but when they create these initiatives, it makes it hard to invest in the long term. And I think that's something, I think that's why we don't have the fans that we had kind of like of our generation, where the people that were lifers. Nowadays you get fans that are more like, well, until the next movie comes out. Right. You know, because... When you see, you know, like even with action comics, like, yeah, we're in the new Rebirth era and this is exciting and it's been good stuff, but it's all going to change once Bendis takes over and even then they're going to do a new Man of Steel. So it's kind of like, all right, so you're going to change the origin kind of again. Um, Marvel, fresh start, you know, what is that going to mean, you know? And even now it's like you're asking a lot of your comic book retailers because, you know, somebody comes in, hey, I want to get the last year of Spider-Man. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> you're going to start at issue 22, jump to issue 700, back to one. And, you know, it's like, and they said it was because those infographics were confusing. That's why fans didn't like it because of Legacy. Honestly, Legacy was kind of underwhelming. You know, they shouldn't have said that it's not, like, everything's not an event because there's a lot of events going on. Um, we have Infinity Countdown, which has been fantastic. Uh, even with this Venom stuff, there's Poison X. Strangely enough, I'm enjoying it. You know, mm. the X-Men Blue are teaming up with Venom. You know, I've been reading a lot of Venom, not necessarily by <laughs> choice, Venom Incorporated. Um, and then Damnation's another neat one. So it's like, yeah, if they had just sucked it up and said, yeah, we're going to do mini events. We're just going to do stories. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been better. But when they said, no, for the next 18 months, there'll be no events. It's like... When you quantify something, it makes it harder. True. So I, I think Marvel should have kind of – you got to let it simmer a little. You got to put it out there and let it try. So I don't know. I mean, we've got a new era of comics coming up with you know, Man of Steel number one and Avengers number one. So we'll see what's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I kind of wish things would have stayed a little bit more on foot. Okay. Well, there you go. The, that's a good segue into our challenge of this week. What we wanted to do is – Throw out a challenge of what would be the introduction of the Venom symbiote or an equivalent 
in the DC universe. Uh, the, as we stated earlier, Venom is celebrating its uh, 30th anniversary with uh, coming out in uh, or as Venom was uh, April 1988, so March 1988, um, the first appearance of Venom. Not the alien costume. The alien costume, as we we stated earlier, was in the Amazing Spider-Man uh, number two fifty-two. Yeah, yeah, nineteen eighty-four. But Venom, uh, as being part of uh, Eddie Brock and stuff like that, this storyline essentially, you, you well, let's let's talk about all the different iterations of Venom that we've had so far, if we can. Okay. If, so let's see. Yeah. <laughs> we did an infograph for this one, yeah. but uh, so yeah. So basically, it, it, and this is tough because I don't. I, I was way too young for this era of comics. But the first time we basically see Venom is kind of in two places at once: in the Secret Wars and then the Amazing Spider-Man comics that were out at the time. So the way they did Secret War was it was a one-year comic book that was kind of basically set. In the past, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how Doomsday Clock, by the time we get there, will be one year in the future. Right. Or in theory, it was. Right. Now it'll be two years. I don't know. Yeah. But um, so anyways, yeah, the Secret Wars happened. So instead of worrying about catching up, Marvel just said, let's put all these books out. And the comics will keep in line with the time. And then Secret Wars will go back and fill in the gap. Right. Kind of like, I guess, New 52. Or not New 52, but The 52 when they did that. The one year later. Yeah, the one yeah, year yeah. later, 52. So it was a neat idea, and so we saw Pete get his costume torn. He uses one of the alien machines. After seeing Jessica Drew's Spider-Woman, he's no, influenced. Julia Carpenter. Julia Carpenter. There's an amalgam. <laughs> uh, Julia Carpenter's Spider-Woman with her black and white, he kind of follows suit. So the first time we see it in the Spider-Man books is issue 252 back in May of 84. And actually, before you keep going on, I would love to know the story in the writer's room at that point where they were like, well, Julie Carpenter's already got this Spider-Woman suit that's black and white like this. Why don't we make Peter's suit look that way too? And I really would wonder, like, what what were they thinking? Like, not that it was bad. I just want to know, like, where did because eventually Venom's suit looks more like Julia Carpenter's suit, yeah. like the symbol itself. Yeah. Uh, Spider Man's suit, his black suit looks like his regular suit, but black and white instead of red and black. I guess if that's the way you want to put it. Yeah, well, it would be interesting because I'd almost be like, you know, like the guy who designed Julia Carpenter is he kind of like. Am I going to get credit for that? You yeah, know, because right. like on the on the artistic side of stuff, it's like I mean, all they did was got rid of the white boots and gloves and yeah. give it a full cowl, and it's like, well, that's not too far a stretch from what he drew. Same eyes, yeah, yeah. You know, so it'd be interesting to see. Like, is he kind of like, well, hey, I'm cool with that, but you know, make sure you uh, <laughs> kick back some information my way. You know, that's that's a tough part about it. And even then, too, like it's funny because Spider Man is your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. And now you see him running around in a black and white costume. And this is in an era of post-Punisher. So the last time we saw a character in black and white was the Punisher. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, ooh, what does this mean? So, yeah, uh, it's almost like where they kind of thinking like, yeah, let's give Pete a mean streak. Like, this could be fun. You know, did they go in there with that mindset already? And I guess the biggest question I would be curious to ask, when they did that, was it just going to be a costume change? Or did they think... Hey, this is going to be its own symbiote. Like it's going to lead into eventually going to Eddie Brock and being Venom. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I wonder. I wonder if that's. I mean, you got to wonder. Okay, so they, if they knew that it was going to be a symbiote suit, and then eventually, you know, you have to get him back to his red and blue. 
did they know at the end of the Venom saga story that, you know, it, if it actually happened this way in the com- comic books, I don't know, but the sitting underneath the the, the bell. Yeah, know, the had, bell tower and all that stuff. Yeah. Was, was Eddie Brock going to be down there confessing whatever it was he's supposed to be confessing? Yeah. Like, is that... Was uh, that planned? Was that, you know, yeah, like, was yeah. that planned? Or was that just what happened whenever they decided to revisit Venom be like, well, what happened to the symbiote after that point? Well, so let's bring in these guys. And they're like, oh, well, Eddie Brock's this big Catholic, so let's just say that he was at the church at the time, and it just scurried over to him. Yeah, because it's like, is it just like a a happy series of events? Or was it, you know, because even then, like, I mean, you have, technically you have two writers. You have, I think probably, oh, gosh, I forget who was writing Spider-Man at that time. Uh, actually, Roger Stern. So you have Roger Stern on Amazing, and then you have uh, Jim Shooter on Secret Wars. Mm. And it's like, did they sit down and plan some of these things? Because even then, Secret well, Wars was just like, hey, we need a toy line, <laughs> so we need to draw in comic book, and was, there you go. <laughs> I was going to say, that. I mean, that should be the editor's job, but... As yeah. we've seen. <laughs> no offense, Tom DeFalco. <laughs> So uh, other versions of of, of Venom yeah, so, after yeah after well no you, so you start Pete and then it jumps to Eddie which is the most classic one we've seen right then gosh I think the next jump was probably Matt Gargan right I want to say yeah, yeah oh, no didn't it go back to Peter at one point it kind of played back and forth like I know there was a famous issue drawn by Todd McFarlane where I think it's like the second time Venom and Spider Man fought and so. Because Venom, like, he literally shows up at Aunt May's house and he's folding laundry and Pete walks in and he's like, what the, f-? you know, and, you know, Eddie's like, hey, we're going to fight it out. I don't want to see any of your superhero friends there. It's just going to be me and you. Because <laughs> if I remember correctly, I don't think Pete beat Venom on his own the first time. Really? I think he had to go to the Fantastic Four. And I think one of the interesting things about the whole Spider-Man Venom fight uh, is the fact that Spider-Sense doesn't work on Venom. Like, this, the symbiote... Yeah, that's a cool it, thing that they did. Which I, I takes like away that. a big part of Pete's defense, you know. Yeah. And I, I've always wondered, is that because the symbiote uh, uh, bonded itself to Peter? Or was that just a thing that the symbiote could do beforehand? No, it was a Peter thing. Because, you know, it was interesting, and I was just reading these recently. But the first time Ben Riley fought the Venom symbiote, mm-hmm. Ben Riley's spider sense worked against the Venom. Because because he's... he never bonded, oh. so even though it's technically Peter and Peter, it just negated Peter's because of the bonding process. It didn't do it to Ben, so it's not a spider sense thing. It's just who it bonded with. That's interesting. Yeah, so I thought that was a cool twist. Does the does the venom symbiote itself have a spider sense? Like I know technically it's a living organism anyway, so it can probably see behind itself. Yeah, you know it can see in three hundred and sixty degrees as opposed to Eddie Brock can't. So it can warn him, like if something is flying at him from behind him, like the symbiote t- tendrils could, could make just, like an arm and grab, grab it. Yeah, yeah. So. you know, I don't know, but that it should. I mean, it would make sense, you know, just yeah. the way the alien creature is that it should have 360 degree awareness. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if not, that's a cool power upgrade to give it. <laughs> well, I mean, you definitely see that with uh, with Carnage, and and we'll eventually get to that with the the many offspring or spawn or oh whatever you want to say of uh, of the yeah, Venom's symbiote. a deadbeat dad. <laughs> So let's see. So yeah. So it jumps from Eddie goes to Matt Gargan, who used to be the Scorpion, which was such um, a that was a downgrade in my opinion. Really, I mean, well, I would say it's a downgrade in character, but it's an upgrade in power. It's, yeah, oh, I agree with you in that. But I just I like the Scorpion. I thought he was a cool character. I thought it was a neat design. Um, but when you got when you took that away from Matt Gargan, 
you lose the scorpion and he didn't make a good venom like to me i guess like to, to like how you said upgrade and character downgrade and power other way for or yeah some yeah <laughs> <laughs> whoop um but to me i felt like that was a downgrade for venom because gargan i don't know at first he didn't seem like a cool badass you no, know he's the, he's like not. i mean he eventually grew into it because when he served his time on the dark avengers right you know, it was like, okay, he was getting a little bit more sadistic and, and things like that. And, you know, that makes me think, how does the, the, the host feel about eating brains? You know, like, do they eat the brains or does the symbiote just kind of pop off a second and eat the brains? I would assume <laughs> that it just gets a, it, it gets absorbed into the symbiote before it actually makes it into the digestive system of the human host. I hope so. I would hope so, too. Because <laughs> then that means Max got a whole new set of problems to deal with. And this was, the, at this time, at least for me... I would say this is when you started getting the huge venom. Like when Gargan is wearing the suit or the, or the bonded to the symbiote, like you get that huge venom, like even bigger than Eddie, like yeah. version of it. And then they use that um, serum that whoever, whatever scientist uh, Norman Osborn had working for him at the time to make it so that it shrunk down and then made him look like a black suit suit Spider-Man. Yeah. So, uh, so just so it wouldn't scare the kids, probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you see, I mean, like, granted, yeah, you know, Venom did become the lethal protector, mm-hmm. but yeah, you see those giant teeth and tongue. It's like, no, I don't want that thing saving me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Leave me in the burning building; it'd be safer. That's like that's why I always found uh, what's his name, the Creeper, uh, over. Oh, on DC in, Comics. Yeah, I always found him to be an interesting hero <laughs> anti-hero i don't know if he's an anti i don't know if he I have kills no clue or not what the hell he is I, yeah i mean i know he's the the good guy version of the joker because he got joker venom in him is well it- that was the new updated origin oh okay yeah because originally no he was just I, okay maybe i could be wrong maybe he did i'm not too sure of his origins i don't know if he did spin out of the batman universe but yeah like you said though essentially he is a but like a good guy version of the joker okay um, I'll have to look into that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I hope I'm wrong. I, I think you're right about that. Wasn't actually. that oh, wasn't that Anthony Michael Hall's character in uh, the Dark Knight? Yes, when they did the Dark Knight movie. Yeah, yeah, the Dark Knight movie. Yeah, was Jack Ryder? Ryder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Matt Gargan eventually he has the suit and he's part of the Dark Dark Avengers and then he loses it. Yep. So, but who does he lose it to? Well, he loses it to then once it gets assimilated back in, falls under government management. It goes to management. Flash Thompson. Well, so technically, it goes to Captain America, who creates his secret secret Avengers and then gives it to Flash, right? I don't know if that's where that happened. Oh. I'll be honest with you, because like I remember buying the Secret Avengers book. I remember reading it, and all I know is I was bored. It wasn't <laughs> that exciting. I mean, like, yeah, it seemed like it, I mean, it was great art. It was a great writer. But it just was not anything like this is cool. Like it didn't te- seem to leave its its footprint on anything. I wonder because I think I remember because this was around the time when uh, in Spider Man comics, uh, Flash has come back from uh, war in the Middle East, Afghanistan, yeah. or wherever. He and he's got his legs blown off, and he's a veteran of the army. And I want to say one of the generals in the book shows up and says, hey, I want to use you to to try something out. And that's when they give him the Venom symbiote. Pretty much, yeah. Um, because that there was, you know, he was a high-profile veteran. Um, it's because he was doing all that, that, that like, uh, publicity work for yeah, it, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and most of this did happen in the, the Amazing Spider-Man book. So I think that's kind of why we have some of those memories there. Um but yeah, he was designed for that Agent Venom look, so the more military-esque Venom version. Um, 
And then, yeah, he got loaned out to the Secret Avengers. Okay. So there is a tie to that, but I think it's more the chicken and the egg type argument. Right. So it happened in Spidey. Then he was given to the Secret Avengers. Uh, then he made his way into the Thunderbolts, which that was a cool squad because it was like kind of the red one. So like Punisher, Elektra, right. Ghost Rider, Red Hulk, you know, and I think Deadpool eventually then joined it. Okay. Um, so that was a neat era. That's an era of comics I need to go and read. And then they tossed him out into space with the Guardians of the Galaxy because that's when he became Tony Stark's mole to go out into space and kind of make sure the Guardians were doing a good job. <laughs> because Tony Stark needs to be the, the police of the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to be the one in charge. Yep. Well, because, you know, Steve took his top cop spot, so it's kind of like, oh, well, you think you're big on Earth, huh? <laughs> There's a whole galaxy out there to mess with, buddy. <laughs> and I would say that's more because uh, Robert Downey Jr. is doing a movies. kick-ass job in movies. Because, <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny because it's that's I think it's become more and more um, apparent to everybody that prior to 2008 when uh you know Iron Man came out the right? movie Iron Man came out no one cared about Iron Man like no. we we read the comic books and or we read comic books and we didn't even read Iron Man comic books or yeah. at least I didn't I'm sorry No I mean I'd pick them up like ooh Armor Wars that sounds exciting you know and even then if you go back and look at the cartoon show it was you know like Armor Wars and and teaming them up with the uh the West Coast Avengers when they became, oh, God, what was it? Force Works. Right. You know, but, it, yeah, he wasn't memorable, memorable. You know, because even then, like, I remember growing up, when I thought of Iron Man, I thought of uh, Magnum P.I. What's that actor? Tom, Tom Selleck. Selleck. Yeah. That's who I thought of. I didn't think of somebody who's like, oh, look at me. I'm a I'm a funny, wisecracking guy. <laughs> I mean, I know Tom Selleck did comedy, you know, yeah, Three Men yeah, and a yeah, Baby. Yeah, yeah. But I always kind of took him more as a stoic fellow. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, and you know, once the, I think he's obviously become more of a staple in the Marvel U now. Oh yeah, because he was always definitely a secondary character. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he had a good role in the Avengers, but it was just kind of like, hey, he's rich, he'll finance. There we go. You know, the Maria Stark Foundation pays for everything. Yeah, you know, but he wasn't a heavy hitter of the team. It was, you know, Captain America, Reed Richards. Those were the staples of the MU. And, and, and even then, Reed was the top scientist. Right. You know, our inventor or anything now it's kind of fallen on tony's shoulders yeah. and i think that's uh it's uh, that's also interesting is the uh, oh i just had it in my head uh oh sony back in the day they were offered by from from marvel to buy every the rights to everything for like 25 million but wow. they said they said nah the only character that you have that's of interest is is spider-man so we'll just take that and yeah wow yeah. and it, you get you can only imagine that you know probably 15 20 years later when marvel studios puts out a to- uh, iron man movie and it just blows everybody's mind you're like oh wow god they could have had the whole thing yeah. so all right we're getting i'm getting off track but uh yeah Anta, or we went to flash so thompson flash thompson's got it so he comes back to earth and this one was the one where i i think when they relaunched the Venom books just recently. So somehow Flash loses the Venom symbiote. And he loses it to this Lee Price guy? Yeah, so he picks it up. And I kind of feel like Lee Price was a knockoff of the hood. 
that Parker Robbins oh, character. Wow, I kind okay. of felt it was the same thing, you know, like, hey, let's try that formula again where it's like, here's a down-on-his-luck kind of angry everyman. Uh-huh. So then he gets the Venom symbiote, and, and you know, what does he do? He turns into a big-ass gangster, uh-huh. you know, so he just kind of – that's exactly what he did. So then luckily he loses the symbiote and it finally finds its way, but full circle back to Flash Thompson. Who had at the time – Oh, sorry, Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock, yeah, <laughs> who at the time also had – or at one point in time had the anti-Venom, which was – the white on or the black on white as opposed to the white on black suit and was that a spawn off of the venom symbiote that came from i don't know if you remember him mr negative yes um he touched eddie brock and because of his negative powers that's what kind of made the anti-venom and then that after eddie brock gets the venom suit back goes over to uh flash thompson then you get Anti-Venom. Yeah, and I'm... Anti-Agent anti I, I just hope they call him Agent Venom. I don't hope they I hope they get rid of the anti part. Because you, know you know what kills me? What's it? When they first Anti-M. created Anti-Venom, <laughs> right? And then one of the... I think it was the editor of the book, probably Steve Wacker, and he was like, oh, it sounds like Ant M, Ant Venom. That's all I can hear. And ever since he said that, I was like, I didn't make that, and now that's how I hear it. I'm like, oh, it's Ant May Venom. <laughs> and and just to round it off, uh, the first spawn or offspring of the Venom symbiote was the Carnage. But since then, they've had quite a few. Oh, my god! I just don't know them all. I know Toxic, Bi- Scream, Shrek. is one, right? Some, yeah, it was just a ridiculous amount of... They were better left in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, as you said, throughout comic book history since then we've had just about every character at some point in either in a story somehow get venomized i mean i think last year was the whole was uh was that, that was venomverse right the start of yeah venomverse, yeah the yeah. venomverse so that, that was everybody getting a symbiote somehow um but our story our story takes place in the dc universe who would be our peter parker what would be the event that gets him to create the black suit who is our eddie brock who eventually becomes venom and then we wanted to throw in the extra um who is our carnage the first uh offspring to the venom suit yep so in celebration i will go first uh and i i (laughs) i i I chose a character that i know that you hold very deep and uh, i did this because of a very interesting behind the scenes story that happened you have to take away the innocence (laughs) (laughs) so let's take you back to uh infinite crisis in dc universe infinite crisis okay infinite crisis yeah okay so uh there that the the end of that storyline you have uh superboy dying right after fighting with superboy prime yes comes out i don't know how much later it was but it comes out that it, uh, Dan Didio originally wanted Nightwing to die. Actually, I think that that was released before. Really? Yeah, because I think people actually had a chance to like. That's why somebody had to die because they they had a plan that was going to be Dick. And I think it, like because you know how the internet works, right? Right. So the spoilers got out there, so they were like at the conventions. No, and just everybody. Yeah. Was like, so it was kind of like, oh shit, what are we going to do? Uh, who can we kill right now? Uh, Connor, that's my lamb. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know? How, do you remember how what 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 was the the end of Nightwing's story at the end of uh, Infinite Crisis? What 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 did he? Because I think he went off with uh, I don't know which which group of of heroes he went off with at that point. Oh, he was at the Tower. 
He was at the tower that when it when it crumbles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He wound up being there because he did get hurt. Yes. And so I, what I have is during Infinite Crisis, Dick dies. So at, yeah, Uh-oh. this kills Batman, or at least he's he's close to dying. He's like on a thread. This is and this is this is Batman, like his first son, his the, the his first Robin. his world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does he do? He goes and he finds, uh, or I, I was tossing around because the closest does he use his venom? <laughs> well, see, I was I was tossing around that the closest thing to this venom symbiote in the DC universe is the Blue Beetle, the Blue Beetle Scarab. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Right? And that's where we get the, the that's where we get Jaime. Jaime is yeah. in Infinite Crisis, so yeah. I was like, I could totally do this. So instead of taking away Jaime. Let's say that there's some type of discharge from the scarab itself that Bruce uses to heal Dick. So Dick then gets himself a new suit, and we fast forward a version of the story that almost happened to Dick. Because it's, it's, what, probably a decade later that we get Talon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just about. So yeah. we find out that uh, during the, the Court of Owls, City of Owls, whatever storyline that was... Uh, Dick Grayson's family is actually a part of a is part of the Court of Owls that they were supposed to be he was supposed to be a talent at one point right right so you know as uh, we, we were kind of discussing this beforehand what is the the equivalent of venom to a spider it'd be the talent to a nightwing uh, or a bird so nightwing becomes talent or he at least becomes a darker version of nightwing and uh, it 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 starts to the 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 discharge from the blue beetle scarab. It, it starts to have the same effect as the symbiote does, the uh, venom symbiote, um, and to a to a degree, the same things that is happening to Jaime Reyes. You know, he's going a little bit crazy because he's got a voice in his head that's telling yeah. him, you know, you need to kill those guys. That <laughs> that person's bad. <laughs> you know, all that all that nonsense that's happening. So. Uh, he gets it. He gets it taken off of him. So where does it go next? Well, who is the successor to him? Is as Robin? It goes to Jason Todd. What? Jason Todd becomes our new talent, and he, just like he does as a Red Hood, he's a he's an antihero. He oh wow. he, he does justice, but he does it his own way, and he kills the people that he feels needs to be killed. Same way that Venom does. Venom is an antihero. Yeah, he, he's got his code. He's got his code. He 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 dispenses justice. He fights on the side of good. He just does it with a little bit more... His interpretation of it's, good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's what you have. I would have... I would have. Uh, I guess Jason Todd wouldn't be the Red Hood anymore. He'd be Talon. Um, then, as the first offspring from the Venom symbiote, it goes to, brace yourself, James Gordon Jr., Oh, crazy that's... homicidal maniac James Gordon Jr. Oh, I like that. Uh, he's he's our what is it? Cletus Clay? Is it? Oh, Cletus Cassidy. Cassidy, thank yeah. you. Cletus Cassidy, uh, Carnage. He's uh, he's um, he becomes the new. Uh, well, and then I have to give him a name. So, looking him up, I, I don't really know all that much about James Gordon Jr. Other than the for, other than the fact that he's a homicidal maniac. He's he's killed. He's he's done a lot of terrible things. His sister is the one that had to eventually, you know, bring him in yeah. to justice and stuff like that. But I guess one of his first interactions, either story wise or 
comic book history wise I don't know which one it is was as a little boy he was kidnapped by uh, Carmine Cal- Falcone uh, to get back at James Gordon yeah so obviously what does Falcone you know oh, another the name he's the fa- he's, yeah I'm gonna oh. call I'm gonna call him the, the Falcon he's it goes along with the birds yeah and now he's 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 a little bit more deadly so he's the he's a Falcon or he's the Falcon or maybe he's like Death Falcon or something I don't know it's, right. it's gotta be something put a little something darker yeah, twist to it a little yeah, bit yeah. darker twist to it so. Uh, those are my those are my creations for this this storyline. It's it's not much, but I I really enjoyed where the story went, and I I really I really liked the idea of 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 something happening to Dick in this way, like changing up his story just a little bit. Well, and I like too because like you you have something there that you can play with. So another little bit of behind the scenes. So Keith Giffen wound up guiding Blue Beetle. Okay. So after from the pages of Infinite Crisis comes the new Blue Beetle book. Mm-hmm. And so at first they were building it up that the Blue Beetle Scarab comes from space. Right. And then with Rebirth, nope, they put it back in its mystical, magical origins. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's kind of how it came when with Dan Garrett when he first had it. So that's where you could kind of have a lost adventure that maybe Dan Garrett had to go do something in space had to defeat some kind of alien organism and he what's the best way to trap it he trapped it within oh. and so he obviously didn't need to tell anybody because he was the only blue beetle he dies ted is holding on to the scarab he doesn't use it he doesn't believe in mysticism yeah and so he just kind of leaves it there as a trophy and when jaime gets it that alien organism could have like because maybe you could have it that you know jaime was there on the spot and batman's just like oh my god we need to like close up his wound and jaime's just like here I'll use one of my tendrils to close yeah, it, and then okay. that's yeah, where like the that. alien organism gets in the dick and is like, "Yeah, I'll steal some of this blue beetle, you know, transformative DNA." And Dick becomes the unwilling host, and yeah. yeah, you could have some cool stuff there. I like that, you know. And then I really like how your your Carnage type character, because Jim Gordon Jr. Sick motherfucker. Yeah. Oh my god. Like he's like. I wish he would get used more because he's such an awful person. Yeah. I, I, I mean, has he, has he popped up in Rebirth yet? Like not to not to my knowledge. I, not to my knowledge either. I mean, like honestly, the last thing I could think I, I saw him in was Batman: The Black Mirror, and this was when Dick Grayson was Batman. Mm. Again, it ties back into itself. So like that could be neat. That obviously those two are kind of meant. So it's like Jim Gordon and Bruce Wayne. Who are their children, Dick and Jim Jr.? Right. So it's kind of neat that, you know, well, through that cemetery. Well, and I, I also thought of this, it was, was interesting because the idea of, of Dick Grayson having to deal with Jim James Gordon Jr. or Jim Gordon Jr. Uh, as, the, as the Falcon because his girlfriend, on-again, off-again girlfriend, is the sister to... Ooh, and know, that's another family yeah, twice. So it's just yeah. like, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with your in-law, you know, kind yeah. of thing? Guy, then it's funny because it does it does tie in a lot of family history too. Because then it's like, well, you know, this Talon relates back to the Grayson stuff. Oh, so yeah, it's, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's cool. Like honestly, like that 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 is such a neat Elseworlds that just involves your two camps, the Blue Beetle and the Bat Family. But it, it spirals so much deeper. So I dig that. I like that. And just thinking about that right there, where you, where you threw uh, Dan Garrett in there, like, what if you made it so that? Uh, Adam Strange was an older character. Like I, I don't know, how, is he a Golden Age character? He's silver. He's, He's definitely silver. silver. But Dan Garrett is a Golden Age character, right? Well, it's interesting because. He's definitely. I'd say they, they they put him probably in the middle of Golden and Silver, so he was active during the Silver Age because I remember him helping out. 
he helped Superman. I think it was like Legends of the DC Universe, if you remember that book. Mm-hmm. Like he helped Superman. So when Superman was first around. So he was present at the start of the Silver Age, unlike the other Golden Age heroes. Oh, okay. So he has that. Because like even same thing with Blue Beetle. He's our Ted Cord. He's Silver Age, but he's not the start of the Silver Age. Right. He's more like a couple years later. Okay. Because in JLA Year One, he was the kid who was helping with their right. security system. He's like, God, I wish I was a superhero. <laughs> so that's, I would have Adam Strange like come and talk to his buddy Dan Garrett. who Dan Garrett was an archaeologist, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, hey, uh, I've discovered some of these ancient ruins on this other planet. Could you come and help me out? Take some Zeta beamed up to fucking Ran and boom, finds a scarab. I, I would I would dig that'd that story, be cool right the the sto- the adventures of Adam Strange and Dan Garrett in outer space that'd be pretty fun I, I, I'm all I'm on top of that I'm writing that now there you go <laughs> uh, some what is it uh, strange adventures strange, there you go <laughs> uh, all right oh. so that was my story let's get on with the, your version of the Venom saga uh, in the DC universe <laughs> okay so mine takes us to. Um, my inspiration, because I was trying to find an alien, and, and I toyed with this one, but it seemed a little too easy. So I looked at my alien races. Excuse me. Okay, so I looked at my alien races, and I found a group, and it was just perfect. They're called the Adaptoids. The Adaptoids. And basically, that's what the Venom symbiote does, is it adapted to its host. So I was like, okay. So the Adaptoids, and again, it's perfect. They're little blob-like creatures so it's like, man, this is spot on, a one-for-one one Venom. So I'm going to take the Adaptoids. And originally, they were used in Justice League of America issues 118 and issues 119. Hold up. So Justice League has a, a alien race called the Adaptoids. I wonder if Marvel was like, oh, you got the Adaptoids? All right, well, our Avengers are going to take on the Super Adaptoid. Take that. Well, I kind of feel like the Super Adaptoid comes from Amazo because uh, it was kind of the same well, yeah, thing. You're you right. Know? Yeah, they, you know? And I, I, I thought about using Amazo as well. I was like, oh, maybe maybe it's a man-made created situation because oh, okay. how do you get this machine that can just see something and mimic it? But anyway, so yeah, so I, I took that. So though, those characters come back from like May of 1975. Mm. So who knows? Maybe, you know, a, a young David Michelin was reading that comic and he's like, hey, I'm going to save that for later. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, so yeah, the Adaptoids. So basically, they got killed off because of the Thangarian... it, the, the Thangarians, represented by Hawkman and Hawkgirl, the Silver Age ones, exposed them to this Thangar, Thangarian virus and they died. Well, again, if they're adaptoids, they should be able to adapt and overcome. So, of course, they put all their energy into one little adaptoid and he manages to survive. And what better way to do it? He hides on Hawkman. You know, so by hiding on Hawkman, he gets a little bit of the nth metal ability. So, again, that's where he'll get some super strength and, and things like that. So after the Justice League of America thinks they've defeated, you know, the, uh, let me use the old Silver Age title here, the takeover of the Earth Masters. So after they've defeated that crisis, they come back to Earth. So this little adaptoid is riding shotgun to Carter, uh, Carter Hall, the Hawkman. And I would do the same thing where it's like Hawkman really starts getting a little bit, you know, bulkier and, and beefier. And as a neat play because of the time period... I would have them start having the look of that they had on Hawkworld. 
Because oh. Hawkman were used to the bare-chested, winged guy. Right. And then when Hawkworld came about, that's where we had that whole like militaristic right. flying around with the guns. So I'd kind of start having that metamorphosis where that's what the costume starts leading towards. <laughs> I think that would neat. That'd be kind of a neat little tie-in there. So obviously, Hawk Girl not having our Hawk Woman not having this ability is kind of like Carter. What's going on? Like you're getting very dark, very militaristic. And Carter's like, I don't know. I don't get it. You know. And then I needed my Eddie Brock, you know? So I was like, okay, how could I do this? So there's Anton Haster, who was an enemy of the Golden Age Hawkman. And basically, he's the rein- reincarnated version of Hathset. So, of course, tying in with that Prince Kofu and right. the history angle. Well, obviously, when Anton was here on Earth, he's going to enjoy the pleasures of the fe- flesh. So he has a son, Anthony Hester. So this is going to be a character I'm going to create. So it's the son of the Golden Age villain. And obviously, you know, just because the way fate always intertwines people, he's going to end up being an archaeologist as well. So, you know, he's he's doing his archaeology work wherever. I forget Hawkman's hometown. So he's doing his stuff. Carter Hall's doing his stuff. So they don't know each other's secret identities, but, you know, they're trying to obviously get that bid to keep the job as the main archaeologist. So Anton being you know of half set and things like that he just anthony decides to be like well i could take some of my dad's artifacts kind of refurbish them and make them look to be something else and that's what eddie brock did he took pictures of a false situation Mm -hmm. and lied about it to try to get more credit than peter did so anthony does that of course, Hawkman still having that relationship to the golden or to the Egyptian era, he's going to be like that stuff's fake. So of course, when you know it gets put out there, and obviously Carter's too busy, the main gala event happens, and we're going to put out this big situation for Anthony, and he's going to be like, yeah, here's here's my finds. I went on this dig. This is all great. Blah 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 blah. Carter goes out of work respect and he's kind of like bullshit, you know, like this wouldn't have been found there because during that era, that was just a fake pond or whatever, you know, so there's (laughs) no way this could have been found. The calcium deposits don't match all that cool archaeology stuff. So he destroys them. And so Anthony is now discredited. He obviously hates Carter Hall with so much anger. And then Carter Hall that night discovers like he's kind of like, wow, I was I was really meaner than I needed to be, you know? And so Shiara's like, yeah, dude, you're you're kind of wigging out. You're kind of freaking out. So using their Vangarian technology, so the nth metal, they kind of basically use it as a repelling mechanism. So that'll be kind of like how there's the fire and sonics that affect um, the, the Venom symbiote. symbiote. So the nth metal, so that's why the maces will be one of the power weapons against him. So they'll basically kind of polarize the nth metal to repel this alien symbiote off of carter so the alien symbiote has nowhere else to go so it's hiding around so it bonds to one of those fake items so when anthony comes to collect his collection of discovered items he grabs it and then inadvertently bonds with the symbiote Mm. and this is the hardest part i had was trying to figure out the name like talon was like oh that would be perfect (laughs) because what do we fear from hawks we fear their talons but you know again it didn't work out so i i we mitch helped me out with this one so we were mounting stuff off of it but this one kind of sounds neat you know we'll call him blackbird so he'll he'll definitely be the 
the uh, the uh, anti Hawkman, so he'll start doing that. But you know, again, w- w- they start off as a bad guy. We don't want him to be totally villainistic all the time. So he'll he'll become that lethal protector, and you know, maybe that's one of his ways of sticking it to Hawkman is being like, "I'm more popular than you," which apparently isn't that hard because Hawk- Hawkman gets canceled every three years. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so he does that, um, and then I decided. So when we were looking at who would be the carnage part of it. So, of course, you know, every bad guy gets caught and gets put in jail. So where's one of the best super prisons that we can put people? Arkham Asylum. So he winds up being put in there, and that's where they put him in with, uh, and I always say this wrong, Zazus? Zaz? Zazu? Zaz. Zaz. So he winds up getting locked up with Zaz. Oh, man. And I like how this metamorphosis would be easy, because obviously the guy's got a ton of scar tissue on his body, so that's going to be easy you know entry points into the body overexposure right so they necessarily probably wouldn't be locked up in the same cell because we haven't seen that much in arkham but yeah at some points like the 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 spawn of blackbird kind of works its way over into cassidy or i'm sorry into uh, zaz Zaz, and then we get a new creation and then i would call him vulture uh, just because, again, you know, that's pretty lethal bird. They're sick mofos. They're crazy. And it's funny that we so both went with, uh, with uh, bird themes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, you kind of have to. It's, you know, and, and I like how it is. Yeah, it's Nightwing and Hawkman. Yeah. And that'd be kind of neat if they played some kind of tie into that. I think they kind of did. How, when many, they... how many bird characters are there in the DC? I mean, I think there's Ooh. more over the Marvel. I think you're right because you have like there's probably more villainous birds in Marvel and there's more heroic birds in DC because mm. yeah you have Northwind um, obviously every DC team seems to have you know some kind of Birdman esque hero mm. you know but definitely the names as well so yeah so my my Peter Parker turns out to be Carter Hall the event was this Justice League comic from back in the 70s um, I would wind up creating a new character the son of Anton Hastor being Anthony Hastor and then my carnage would be Zaz and that part I'm looking forward to because Zaz is a really he's a good villain but he's never gonna he's never gonna grow outside of Gotham why because he's just a dude with a knife mm-hmm. you know of course Batman Robin anybody could take him but by giving him that symbiote I hope to eventually make him somebody that's definitely worthwhile and then what could be really neat if you play with that one Maybe once he goes back to Carter Halls, he'll go back to the... I don't know if you remember this, but the Absorbsicon. Oh, that was the, the... They used that during that Silver Age fifth week event in the DCU. Oh, wow. So he could get all the information and know, like, secret identities and stuff like that. And so that'll make him even a bigger threat because it's like, hey... You know, screw you, <laughs> Superman. You keep talking down to me. I'm going to go after Lois, you know, and uh-oh, what do you do? <laughs> Sounds good. All right. That that was a great story as well. I, I, I love the fact that you used Hawkman uh, just because, I I mean, obviously they don't use enough Hawkman in the DCU, but as you're right, they the, the book his book just doesn't sell. Like, I think the last iteration that I really liked of him was Savage Hawkman. Like, that, that version of him was just... Was what I thought was really cool. That was New Fifty Two, right? I think that was yeah. yeah, that was New Fifty Two. Probably one of the only few New Fifty Two books that I liked. Yeah, so. he's tough because I, I know I found myself like I, I was collecting a lot of his miniseries from the eighties, um, and I enjoyed them. And this wasn't even the Hawkworld stuff. This was kind of the goofy, the you know bare chested right. barbarian type guy. 
but he he's a great character. But you're right. It's see, how do you find his audience? I think the way that you play that off is instead of playing off the the Hawkman version of it, like the barbarian Hawkman, right? Like you go with the Carter Hall archaeologist version. You you give me like a Indiana Jones book, yeah, where he's traveling the globe. Him and Shaira or or. Uh, Kendra, Kendra or Shaira, I don't yeah. know who it is. I think it's Kendra right now. Well, Kendra and Shaira are going to coexist. Okay, well, yeah, they're really separating Lady, them more. I don't know, Lady Blackhawk. Yeah, yeah Lady she's going to Black, become Lady Blackbird Blackhawk. Or, yeah, Blackhawk or whatever. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you have them travel the world, going to different archaeology sites, and and then you know when trouble erupts, you break out the costumes and you you do good. But the story follows. The archaeologist in them, like yeah, I think that's the where you you follow that story. No, I definitely like that because it's like yeah, people like Indiana Jones, and not to say anything discrediting, but he's not that special. But you give him that Hawkman persona, mm-hmm. now it's like yeah, exactly. Like when the wings come out, shit's getting real. Exactly. You know? so it's like yeah, he trades in his whip for his mace, and it's like yeah. oh shit. So Robert Vendetti, if you're listening, because I know you do, yeah, exactly. there you go. There's a couple ideas for your upcoming Hawkman book. <laughs> uh, all right. That's uh, the storylines that we have for this week. If you agree with what we had to say, we'd love to hear from you. Even if you don't agree, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any opinions on any of the stories that we talked about this week, we'd love to hear from that. You want to find me on Twitter, I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Chris is also on Twitter as... Stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. Check out our website, geekeliteradio.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.